So worst case scenario, Xander can just cut. I, th- I think he already does cut the uh, the audio out when someone is not speaking. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's what he does. Cool. So let me just get a few things out of the way real quick. Uh, uh, okay, I think we should be all set. There you go, Xander. Love you. Bye. Perfect. That's th- that's gonna be the whole podcast. Just that first two minutes. <laughs> And then he's going to, like, take the end clip that we record and put that Uh. on the end. (laughs) This is a very special episode of I Read Comic Books because it's a bonus minisode, and it's with one of my my best buds in the whole world, John Francois. Thank you for joining me, John. Hi, thanks for having me. So happy you're here, because we're here to talk about video game comic books, specifically a Mass Effect comic book, and also because you are doing the Extra Life video game marathon. Before we start talking about comics, could you tell us about what this actually is and why you're doing it? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, It's a common misconception that it's a video game marathon. It's just any games whatsoever. Uh, In essence, what it is, is a fundraiser, and it specifically raises funds for... Uh, the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, they get a lot of their funding through donations, um, and, and this is one of those ways. So every year what we do is on November 4th through the 5th, we anyone who is participating in Extra Life will do a, a marathon, but instead of running, which I cannot do, I <laughs> yeah. play video games or games in general, which I totally can do. Uh, right. And and what we do is we do it for 24 hours. I guess 25 technically because it is the uh, daylight savings time, which seems kind of cruel, but is also entertaining they... for everyone else who's uh, observing it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, do they, do they do that intentionally? Like every year wait till the daylight savings time to play it? Be- I mean... It's fun, yeah. Right? Like no, I mean, they, they I've, I've been there with you, do. but <laughs> yep. Um, they they did it my very first year that I did it, which was mm-hmm. uh, five, four or five years ago now. And they, mm-hmm. uh, everyone said, "Well, that sucked. Let's not do that again." And so for two years they didn't do it, but then they went back to doing it on daylight savings, <laughs> which I think was probably because it's one of the only open times during the year, uh, uh, during this time of year, anyways that people aren't really doing a whole lot because there's Halloween, there's Thanksgiving. Like you, you, you're really surrounded by a lot of holidays here. Right, uh, right. and, um, it also allows you to say, Hey, you donate, you know, $1 per hour that I play and even 25. It, it, it gives, um, it's a great way to incentivize people to donate an even, or well, actually it's an odd amount technically, but yeah, some yeah, amount yeah. that <laughs> they can sort of wrap their head around of, Oh, well, sure. That's $1 per hour. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So this year you're playing, I think, I believe the theme is sp- super scary video games, or is that for like a certain tier of donation? I don't know what your whole thing is this year. Well, so I'd first like to take a moment to encourage anyone listening to this podcast to check this out. Uh, it's a really good yeah, cause. Definitely. And to be frank, the reason that I joined originally was because it was a great excuse to play video games all day and <laughs> to have people be proud of me for that. Right, right. And not the usual, like, hey, get off your ass and do something. This was like, I'm doing something, and it's it's this video game thing. But mm-hmm. it's a really good cause, and if people join, the average donation they'll get is about 100 bucks, which is not bad. If you think about the fact that the local hospital that I'm donating to routinely gets about 
uh, somewhere between like sixty and a hundred thousand dollars every year from this. Holy sheesh! Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so one way to uh, that I, I like to incentivize donations is I first I stream the whole marathon. And I, I put that on social media and pass it around everywhere so people can see my descent into sleep-deprived madness uh, as the <laughs> right, day goes right. on. And second, I usually like to do a special fun thing. And I've been slacking a bit this year because the, the, the fun thing that I offered to do this year is every $200 of donations that I get, I will play roughly 30 minutes of a horror game and record the whole thing and then put it on YouTube for everyone's viewing pleasure. And I, I, oh, I've done man. the first episode. It was not very good. I'll, I'll be completely frank. I was sort of like blindly flailing with what I was doing. And I think I've got a better idea now. It's just a matter of trying to find an appropriate time where I can turn the lights off and have no <laughs> right. one around to bother me, right. but also, you know, play this and have it not be a big deal. Gotcha. So that's what I do every year. Um, everyone does different things. I think a, a streaming is a pretty common incentivizer of like, oh, watch me get tired and do silly things. Right, right. And people can like hang out in your chat and all that stuff throughout the night. So w- before we continue to just talk about Extra Life All Night, because it really is a great cause. If you're interested in donating, you should head over to ircbpodcast.com slash extra life to donate some money to John to help children in need. It's it's seriously an honorable thing to do. So go do that now. But alternatively, as you're as you're listening, <laughs> alternatively, if you want to join yourself, go to extra-life.org and you can sign up on your own. Yeah, you could go do that too. Play video games for 25 hours, raise some money for kids that need help. It's great. Um, but we are here to talk about Mass Effect comic books specifically we're talking about mass effect volume one redemption written by mac walters and john jackson miller with art by omar francia and michael atia uh, this is my first time ever reading mass effect comics and really my i really don't read a lot of licensed property books on the whole so diving into this was really interesting if only because mass effect 2 was a game that i put a lot of time into early in college and seeing that this volume took place before that game actually started totally like clicked in my head as i was started so before we get into too too deep of discussion full spoilers for this whole volume mass effect volume one redemption john why did you want to read this book so it's it's no secret if you know me that mass effect is my favorite setting to 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 sort of explore and play in Mm mm-hmm and anything that I can sort of get my teeth and, and fingers and, and, I guess, grubby little hands into <laughs> is, is just great. I, I really like the setting. I love all the different, you know, races and the technology and the way they described, it, it, you know, the, the gun mechanics of like, oh, they just have this block that they shear bullets off of. And it's so right. dense that it never runs out of ammo, except in, you know, Mass Effect 2 and 3 when they introduced an ammo system, but it was a cooling system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just it's a, it's a great setting and it's got a lot of fun like curved line technology. You know how like in Lilo and Stitch they had a lot of circles and and curves as opposed to hard edges. For some reason, right, that right. that idea that art style has always sort of resonated with me, and I've I've always mm-hmm. really liked it. And Mass Effect seemed to capture that to a degree that I could really just sort of get into and enjoy. That's really cool. The, the, this this book in particular, though, like we we focus on. Oh, I didn't write any of the characters' names down. Uh, right, John, I'm don't here, worry. you're here to help I gotcha. me here. I got gotcha. you. So it's Mass Effect Redemption is the the arc, and it mm-hmm. focuses on Liara Tassoni, 
after Shepard's death. Right. So the end of Mass Effect One was what the Reaper or Reavers Reapers. I can't. I can never get the name right. Reapers. Okay, the Reapers. They attacked uh, Shepard's ship, and he supposedly died. And everyone is distraught because he was the greatest man who ever lived, or something. Right. Something like that. It's it's the beginning of Game Two is when that happens. Mm-hmm. There's the the intro section two two is your ship being blown to hell. You save all your crewmates because you're the big damn hero when you do that kind of thing. And oh, then right, you right, get sucked right. out into space. And it's a little unclear. The comic makes it seem like you're in a stasis pod, but it definitely in the game makes it seem like you just got sucked out into space. So that's a bit on the right. on, on, on uh, up for debate, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. either I way. Mean, they, they did go through like the whole mess of saying, you know, oh, this body is, is very disfigured and we can't really tell if it's a man or a woman. Like playing up the whole... We don't know who Shepard is yep. thing so that you could recreate the character in Absolutely. Aspect 2, which I, I really enjoyed. That was a little nod that I really liked. It's the same thing yeah. in like the Pokemon games, like, are you a boy or a girl? <laughs> right. But a little less on the nose like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wasn't it that like they, they said, I can't tell if it's a bad or a woman. Right. Like, <laughs> right. it doesn't get more on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Either way. I mean, they they did a good job of kind of like beating around that bush to make sure that it was like vague enough so that your actual playthrough of the game worked with this comic, which I really like seriously, if you played Mass Effect the Mass Effect games, I feel like this comic's got to be just right up your alley and it's got to kick a lot of butt because as someone who played the game a little bit, I'm I mean, I'm not fully in, invested in the world I think like some other people like you John for instance. Um like it still was like, "Oh cool. Oh cool. I know all these little tiny things." But at the same time, the book was still enjoyable um, if you didn't know all of those details. I think it's still a really solid sci-fi story um, with some cool action in it. And th- they didn't even explain the whole biotic thing, but that's, I mean, that's a whole other piece of the story, right? Yeah, they, if you haven't played Mass Effect, this book will be a little confusing. You'll mm-hmm. be able to pick up on some stuff. For example, the Elusive Man, the Shadow Broker. Those are all terms that are pretty general, like, Look, he's an espionage person. They shot a broker. What the fuck else is he going to be? <laughs> right, with a name like that. Yeah. So you can pick up on stuff like that. The biotics, that's basically space magic. If you don't know what that is, you're going to be a little confused. But otherwise, it's all mm-hmm. pretty accessible. Uh, if you don't know the races or the, the like, the space station that they're at, it might be a bit confusing. But otherwise, I, I agree that it is pretty accessible as a sci-fi novel because a lot of sci-fi novels just sort of drop you in with the expectation that you're going to pick things up along the way and right i really like that i i I like the aspect of discovery of when they keep using this term uh for example biotics it it doesn't actually Mm -hmm. no one actually ever says biotics in mass effect but if they had said oh so-and-so is a biotic and they didn't tell me what it was it's up to me to figure that out and i really enjoy when comic books or or novels or tv shows let the consumer figure it out as they go along because it feels Mm -hmm. like you've it feels like you've earned something when you figure out oh shit biotic is space magic yeah 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 and they did some really cool stuff with that where it wasn't it wasn't overwhelming in the book but when they used it i thought it was well timed like and and they kind of pushed on the whole emotional thing um where you know you've got like uh the the our main character who I'm already forgetting her name I'm Liara Liara she's you know near the end of the book she's she's very excited to bust some heads and uh just explodes with this energy blast and you kind of as you've seen little hints of that throughout the series or throughout the the arc um you see it in like full-fledged attack mode which is really cool 
Um, and the one thing that I, I really did like about this book is, you know, um, in the before we started the show, John, you were talking about the, the art style. I thought, like, as as someone who played that game like a, for a little while, um, they nailed all of the different species like to a T. Like it was very well done art to say like if you if you'd been paying attention and you recognize these characters from the video game, like this it feels like you're right back into it. It's it's not too over stylized to the point where you're like, is this a, a I'm not even going to try any of the names because I I just can't <laughs> I I can never get them i can never say them right even though they say them all throughout the video game yeah no i agree the the art style is very realistic i suppose might be the best word for it uh maybe photorealistic i guess might be the the correct term for it i don't know if there's a, a particular style for it it's one of my favorite styles of comic art for all the comics that i read these days (laughs) haha Yeah, but yeah, yeah. back when I was more involved in in actively buying and reading comics, I really enjoyed this style because it it was relatable. It could be me in there. I could be in the background somewhere. It wasn't overly stylized in any way, shape, or form. It just felt like real mm-hmm. people for the most part. And it it really takes a good artist to convey a level of emotion that can be read on a surface level, on mm-hmm. a, on a still image, and in, in a style like this. Yeah, absolutely. I, the, the the one the one time, of course, where it doesn't work is the 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 alien race. I don't know if we heard, got the name the Elcor. Yeah, who couldn't speak and so had to like in in parentheses in the dialogue bubbles had to explain how he was or how they were speaking a certain phrase like yeah. with bitter resentment and things like that, which I I like actively laughed on the train. Despite my embarrassment, I thought it was too funny when that happened, and it's it's pretty early on in the book, but um, it was it was a just a it was a nice little joke um, that I think like anybody could get, but uh, yeah, was, well, especially I didn't because know that they, that's like a thing. Oh, sorry, they they go out of their way to explain the Elcor as a people in the comic. The I want to say the Drell who finds Leara says, ah, even these unexpressive Elcor who have to explain their emotions are better equipped to talk about this kind of thing than you are. Right, or something right. to that effect. So the the things that aren't as obvious, like that, for example, like why is this giant quadrupedal elephant person saying that they're being sassy as opposed to just yeah. being sassy? And if you read the comics, you'll know, or I'm sorry, if if you played the game, you'll know more as to why that is. You'll understand that hey, it's because they communicate largely through pheromones and very minute body gestures as opposed to tone of voice like most other races do. And so they have to be very expressive in a very literal sense to get their point across most times. Yeah, when they're talking to other other races. Yeah. Um, So, okay, I've got some questions about the series then if we're going to sit down and be, like, very particular because I want to just pick your brain. So... The elusive man—he wasn't new to me because I played Mass Effect Two. But was he? In a, was this the first time he'd like shown up in the story, as far as Mass Effect is concerned? Absolutely, he was in. Okay, to the best of my knowledge, he was introduced in the second game as the leader of Cerberus, which is a like a pro-human organization, which sounds cool, but it's also like a super duper hate group. Like they hate other alien races, which is super not right. cool. Right. The elusive man is responsible for bringing back Shepard from, quote-unquote, the dead. Right, right. And he he spends a lot of resources bringing back Commander Shepard 
and the the comic of redemption focuses on Liara trying to track down the body, which, knowing that it ends up in Cerberus's hands anyways, feels kind of bad <laughs> because she puts yeah, all this yeah. work into finding the body and they still get him. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it seemed weird because there was there was like this this back and forth of like aren't they both bad guys at the end of the day? Like, isn't the shadow broker who wants Shepard's body like a a bad dude as well as the elusive man who's heading up Cerberus who everyone consistently refers to as like a hate group in the comic? Like, and then it turns out that everybody's working for Cerberus. Like, it's so bizarre. Um, I shouldn't say everybody, but... um, No, it's it's just about everybody. (laughs) Yeah, so like, it's kind of weird. Like, and, and I think that that's... The like that's the writing team I think saying like when you play Mass Effect there's a lot of like moral ambiguity throughout the whole series because I've um, I mean correct me if I'm wrong John but that's like a lot of the game you making choices to make specific outcomes ha- you know occur and some of them are not good and some of them are worse. It is. It's it's a theme throughout all the games. You can choose Paragon or Renegade actions. Paragon, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, is the champion of good the champion of humanitarian beliefs i suppose might be the best way to put it and renegade is sort of the the scrappy scoundrel uh a lot of renegade options are shoot someone before they finish speaking to you (laughs) or sabotage something that will eventually blow up a lot of people even though they might be bad guys but you don't give them a fighting chance whereas paragon is all about being a champion of, of justice and doing the right thing no matter what. And each one feels overly lofty in their take on the moral spectrum. So being a paragon feels, at times it felt to me like, well, this doesn't really make sense as to why I'm doing this, but the opposite is bad. Or doing yeah. nothing is you know not a great outcome because in the games paragon and renegade actions got you points which eventually unlocked further dialogue so if you really wanted to be a good guy you always had to pick paragon same thing with renegade but the comic does a really good job of emphasizing the point that there aren't really any good guys or bad guys in the mass effect universe obviously the reapers are the bad guys they're the ones who want to (laughs) destroy everything but anyone who's working just a day-to-day kind of thing like the shadow broker or cerberus Cerberus is also, they're bad guys. There's no way around that. They're a hate group. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But either way, you end up working for them during the game uh, in 2, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty obvious that they're bad guys, but you're sort of using them to accomplish your own goals, and that eventually you can choose to either help them a lot or betray them entirely, which I chose to betray them entirely and get a bunch of Paragon points for it. Gotcha. Yeah, see, and and I think that it's unique to think about in in a way because you know we we see these types of stories in comics a lot of times of like the the ambiguous like moral morals of some characters and you're it's constantly like should we be good guys oh i made a bad choice now i'm a bad guy and it's like but in this comic you can actually see that dilemma play out in the game i think that that's like kind of a unique way to add to the overall mythos of the story and the gameplay in a way because as you're reading a story that you have no control over you see those types of actions and consequences play out as you do the game because then you're in a story where you're a character making those choices that people did in the comics um and i i I mean reading this this is what blew me away i just couldn't believe like 
I couldn't believe how well done the story was in leading up to Mass Effect 2. Like, really, I cannot ex- I cannot stress enough how cool it was to be like, oh man, if I picked up Mass Effect 2, it would pick up like right after I finished this comic. And like, like what a fucking way to sell comics. That's <laughs> like, that's totally, and video games. I think that that's so cool. Yeah. Um, well, and it, it helps that Mass Effect 2 and maybe Mass Effect 3 were out by the time that this comic came out. So they knew what was going to happen, and they could write mm-hmm. around that. And it's yeah, I, I don't know how hard it is to write a story with an ending already in mind, but I imagine, and they they did successfully uh, pull this feed off. I'd imagine that it would make for some really cool plot twists. I have the omnibus that collects the first five, four or five uh, Mass Effect stories, one of Mm -hmm. them actually explains the origins of the elusive man. Oh, shit. See, I got... Oh, I got to get that one. Yeah. Because he's the cool dude smoking cigarettes, and he's voiced by Martin Sheen, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, and he's got those blue fucking eyes. Yeah. Yeah. He... they, They give a pretty big giveaway of this guy always having glowing eyes after a certain point, and... For those who haven't played the Mass Effect games, the Elusive Man is the head of Cerberus. He's this mysterious figure who's trying to push humanity towards greater things at the expense of literally everyone else in the galaxy. And his defining <laughs> right. feature is he's got these glowing blue, almost robotic-looking eyes, and they're never explained. But in the uh, third or second volume of this omnibus, there's a uh, comic that ex- exclusively talks about his origins, and I didn't fucking get it until they showed me a picture of him sitting in the elusive man's chair doing elusive man stuff. And it was only then that I mm-hmm. thought, oh, fuck. Well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. See, this is and this is where I feel like some licensed comics kind of fall short where they don't add to the mythos enough. Or it's it doesn't feel like the 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 additive value of the comic really pays off in the comic or, or excuse me in the video game or vice versa, so so this is like incredibly exciting. This makes me want to go back and play Mass Effect two and then reread read all these comics. <laughs> yeah, it, it it helps that I think they took a big not really a big risk necessarily, but they took more liberties with the story, whereas I think mm-hmm. a lot of licensed properties tend to play it safe within the bounds of what they think would be acceptable by the parent company of whatever they're trying to use. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe that's what this was. Maybe they talked everything over, but it definitely felt like they came out of left field with, Hey, this is the elusive man. <laughs> like this is his backstory. And I'm sure someone smarter than me probably picked it up well before I did, which was at the actual literal end of the comic. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise I think that these these few comics collected in this omnibus that that I read all do a good job of tying into the Mass Effect universe in some sort of meaningful way to the story, which I actually, I, I like and I don't like. And I don't like it because I would much prefer to have more fluff, I think, about the actual universe. I was going to say world, but it's not quite a world, it's worlds. It's a whole, <laughs> universe. it's a galaxy. Yeah, the whole yeah. galaxy of Mass Effect. Because... Like I said, it's it's my absolute favorite setting. There's there's nothing that I love more in science fiction than the Mass Effect universe, and I would just love to see Joe Schmo going about his business, whatever it may be. Obviously, I'd, I'd like it to be exciting, but to to stray away from the core cast of characters, which is something that 
I don't want to say that I got sick of, but I'd, I'd already explored their stories in the games. I was hoping for right. something new, which is why I'll go back and talk specifically about the comic series that talks about and explains the elusive man. I loved that. It was super cool because it explored mm-hmm. a character uh, backstory that I had never, ever heard before. Whereas in the game, you get to talk to all the characters and you can learn about their past and make friends with them and blah, blah, blah. So I already knew most of what I wanted to know about the characters. So learning more about Liara or learning more about Tali. Tally? I think it's Tally. Yeah, I, I I know there's been big internet debate about that. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to leave it. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> keep that one. It's whatever you want it to be, really. Yeah. Because she's a made-up character and otherwise can't say anything to the matter. Also, she's gas, question mark? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we already know about them, and so it's it's yeah. fun to learn about characters or players in the Mass Effect universe that you otherwise didn't know about. Right. I mean, and so it sounds to me like you, you want more Mass Effect comics the same that exp- expand on the universe, kind of like the extended universe that they did with Star Wars for a while. Like when Dark Horse had the license to do all those Star Wars books, they were just like making up characters and storylines that had nothing really to do with the Star Wars movies other than just to be in the, sh- in the same shared universe. Like there are similar ships and there are similar places, but they, they never like interacted with Han and Luke and Leia or anything like that. And if they did, it was minor, if only to remind you like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, this is in the Star Wars universe. Precisely. That is exactly what I want. Okay, we will be writing furious letters to Dark Horse <laughs> to make this happen following this mini-sode. <laughs> uh so, so I guess all right, it sounds to me like you're recommending the rest of this omnibus. Like I only picked up volume one um, just because it was on Comixology Unlimited. I was like, cool, let's do this. Let's talk about this. Um, but I mean, you're already selling me on getting the Elusive Man volume. And maybe I'll just grab the whole omnibus because this, this is cool. It, it is a very, very cool sci-fi universe. Um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed my time playing Mass Effect 2 and most of 3. So maybe I, maybe I got to go back and like do the whole campaign from the ground up and just get really deep into it and sacrifice hundreds of hours of time <laughs> making decisions. <laughs> yeah, I, so I think so. I'm, I'm looking at this thing and it collects four arcs, Redemption, Evolution, Invasion, and Homeworlds. Of the four... Redemption and Evolution, I would say, are probably the, in my head anyways, the weaker of the two arcs. Oh, really? Invasion and Homeworlds are, I think, better. Redemption, it was fun to to watch Liara run around the space station Omega and try to find Shepard's body. But that's something that had been explored already. We knew that... Well, actually, I guess we didn't know. Never mind. Uh, we didn't know that Liara did this. Uh, we know that she... Well, shit. Let me think now. I'm getting all my Mass Effect lore confused. <laughs> That's because okay. you, you learn that Liara... In, in number two, you learn that Liara worked for the Shadow Broker specifically to look for you or your body, mm-hmm. but didn't really have a lot of success, a la you being brought back by Cerberus. Right. And you find her later, and she did not know you were alive. So this sort of fleshes oh, that okay. out, or I don't think she knew you were alive. I, I, that's unclear. I'd have to go back through and play too. But to the best of my memory, she was, if not surprised, then certainly not aware that you were going to come see her when you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Invasion is uh, another 
Actually, that doesn't even touch on any of the actual core stuff. I don't know why I didn't like Invasion as much as it did the other comics, because Invasion talks specifically about Omega sans any of the Mass Effect characters. It talked about Arya, the crime boss, and her dealings with Cerberus. I think it might have just been a bit too grand scale for me. Okay. The, they did a lot of really big world-building stuff, which I thought was neat, but also... If you get too big, and this is, I guess, what most licensed publishers fear, is that if you get too big, you suddenly are stepping on the story, and you think, well, why the fuck didn't I hear about this in X other media? Which is sort of what I felt, you know, ah, well, this is what you'd go into seeing in Mass Effect 2 or 3, and that's not what it is at all, to the best of my memory. And and so the story they presented me there didn't quite seem to mesh with the memory that I had. Not that I've got a perfect memory, but it didn't, I don't remember that being, the specific happenings in Invasion being a theme throughout either of the games, because it was mm-hmm. a big change. What was it? Uh, Jesus, it wasn't Invasions, I'm sorry, it was Evolution was the one that I'm talking about. Invasion is the one that talks specifically about the Shadow Broker, and then Homeworlds okay. is focused on, on Tally before she finds anything to do with Shepard in 2 or 3, I believe. Okay. Okay, well, I mean, your mileage may vary per volume is what you're saying. Yeah, I guess what <laughs> I just said right. is that I messed up a bunch of words, and it's worth reading them all, but I think my favorite are the last two. Okay, good to know. So go out and read those Mass Effect comics. Um, so I guess, I mean, this has been a good discussion about, about, about Mass Effect, so let's, let's wrap it up. I dig it. I, 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 really, I pretty much just want to end this so I can go read the rest of these. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so John, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I am at Twitter at Sky underscore Trio, S-K-Y underscore T-R-I-O. <laughs> cool. And you can also find John on his Extra Life page. If you go to extra-life.org, search for John Francois, you will find his page. Otherwise, you can go to ircbpodcast.com slash extra life, one word, and it'll automatically take you to John's page. Um, if you're interested, go sign up for Extra Life. It's going to be amazing in November, and I look forward to being around playing games with you and stuff all night if if you'll if you'll have me john of course mike fantastic well you can find me on on the internet and twitter at mike rappin you can also find the show at ircb podcast um you can go to ircbpodcast.com thank you john for doing this this has been super duper cool man i'm like really jazzed up about mass effect right now like i want to play and draw i want to play all the games i just don't have all the time in the world so <laughs> thank you for joining me man this well, has thanks been for super having great. me yeah, well, we'll have to do this again. Maybe I'll read another volume and we'll do a second follow-up episode just because this is this is really cool. So until next time, everyone, thank you for listening, and we will check you next time. Bye. <laughs>